It's football and other F-words, and unlike Tom Brady and Giselle, we're not divorced yet. We're not going anywhere. We're here staying together for the kids, our listeners. My name is Zach Lines. You can follow me on Twitter at F-WordsPod. He's Mike Curtin. You can follow him on Twitter at MikeCurtinNFL. You can also read all of his written works, which is actually out today, Wednesday, when you're listening to this. That is at paulkarski.com, and he writes about how sad it is that another marriage is lost. Tom Brady and Giselle have divorced. Is that right, Mike? Is that what you? Is that your whole theme this week? Is divorce? It is. Yeah, I'm just writing about you know Tom and Giselle and and you know the tragic loss of love. I think it's utterly fucking ridiculous that Sports Illustrated and New York Times are writing about how devastating and sad this is. They're fucking millionaires. Who gives a shit? Like, give me a break. Tom Brady chose football. Giselle said, "Fuck you." In the story, it's not sad. Like, why is this one of the most sad stories ever being portrayed out there? I mean, it it is sad. Like, I, I feel bad for the kids and stuff like that. But, yeah, I mean, Tom's kind of a dick, right? Like, he, yeah, he's obsessed with football. He's got a problem. He, he's got a football addiction. Like, whereas, uh, you know, other guys get divorced because they've got uh, an alcohol addiction or a drug addiction or a sex addiction or whatever else. You know, Tom Brady's got a football addiction. So uh, that's the, the whole story. I lo- a U.S. Magazine calls it heartbreaking. Yahoo Sports, Yahoo Sports says sad, especially because of how real their marriage felt. Dan Wetzel wrote that. That is what the fucking headline reads. Somebody just said Boonchin's divorce is sad, especially because of how real the marriage felt. You don't fucking know anything about their marriage. No, Give on, me a yeah. fucking break. Yeah, these, You're these looking people at Instagram are... posts. It's yeah, fake. They... Yeah, these are all, these people are, it's all social media managers that are putting this stuff up. I mean, come on, we don't know anything about them. Were you prepared for divorce talk? It just, it just hit me. I saw something. I was like, oh, I got to talk about this. <laughs> I, yeah, I've, I've done a lot of prep on, uh, on divorce, uh, divorce talk before this uh, episode, you know, going through the top 10 NFL divorces of all time, you know. I, I, I can't wait to see, like, how the kids are transported between them. Cause I bet there's going to be like helicopters and limos involved and all this yeah, stuff. I think it'd be pretty I, fun. I've, I envision it. Like they're going to live pretty close by, but then they're just going to have like one of those bank tubes that goes underground <laughs> and it's just going to shoot the kids to the other house. Oh they man. That'd be like awesome. That <laughs> would be pretty I think cool. every house needs a bank <laughs> tube now to, to transport <laughs> your kids up to bed. Yeah. Just send them on. All right. Get in the tube. Well, I'll tell you who doesn't transport their kids through too but that's our sponsor jaspers you can actually bring your child and and they can actually sit with you at the table doesn't matter if you're divorced doesn't matter if you're together and fully in love bring your kid go for two for one on sundays have a nice meal watch titans play go when the predators are playing watch hockey jaspers in nashville on broadway it's fantastic that's all i can say because if not, I'll probably start losing my voice. So I apologize to Jaspers, but I'm telling people, listen, oh, go to fucking Jaspers. Go to, go to Jaspers. Eat some food. Watch some games. Mike, that Texas game. Woo-wee, what a Mike Vrabel wet dream that was. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was uh, probably his favorite game of all time. I know he said like the Colts game the previous week was his favorite. I think he's, this is his new favorite. It has to be, right? I mean, it has to be. Like he went home, unbuttoned his pants, sat in the dark for a second, cracked open a bush light, lit a cigar, and just sat in silence thinking about that fucking game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's just, I ran Derrick Henry straight up their ass for 60 minutes and nothing they could do about it. 
They couldn't fucking do a damn thing about it. It is. It was a masterclass in ineptitude by the Texans. And just, oh my God. But it was exactly what everybody thought. If, if, if Ryan Tannehill couldn't go, we all said that essentially they should just run it. And that's what we said. It doesn't even, listen, we even said that even if Ryan Tannehill was actually going to play, which we all thought he did. But not everybody could be like me and play through sickness, apparently. Some people, you know, the sniffles keep them, keep them from doing their job, not me. But it was the right game plan. It was the only game plan, especially when Malik Willis was coming in. And it worked, and everybody knew it was coming, and there was nothing they could do to stop. Yeah, well, it was amazing, and, and it was one of those games, like, for all the, uh, you remember when we had the, the, the Bucks game, I think it was a few years ago, and it was like they had the best run defense in the league and the worst pass defense, and the Titans just kept running the football. Well, this is one where they actually, I mean, the, the Texans had the worst run defense in the league, and the Titans were just like, hey, we're going to see if you can stop it, and if you can't, we're just going to spam it. The, the whole game, you're just going to have to tackle Derrick Henry and, and Dontrell Hilliard the whole game. No breaks. It, it is what it is. So, I mean, it was, I thought it was the right plan. I've, I've seen some people like complaining that they didn't set Malik Willis up for success or whatever. And I'm like, they don't give a shit about Malik Willis's success. They give a shit about winning the game. And this but is the best way to is, win. The isn't game. this setting up your raw rookie quarterback up for success by not putting a lot on his shoulder? No, I, I think, I think so. And I think it's, you know, it was people that just wanted to see Malik, you know, yeah. shine and, and this wasn't ever going to be the game for that. Not when you're coming in, uh, you know, in a, a game where the Titans are basically looking at an opportunity to steal a win while still resting Tannehill. And, and I almost feel like it was kind of calculated that, you know, Hey, Maybe Tannehill could have gone. Yeah, you know, we don't know that, but it's possible they could have put him out there and tried uh, to have him if they needed him. But you know, more more than likely, he would have been limited physically and possibly risking it to further injury and stuff like that. So I think they they obviously made the smart right decision uh, to sit him in this thing and let Malik get his first game against against a team that couldn't stop what they wanted to do anyway. So yeah um this this was a perfect game plan they executed it brilliantly and it was the the biggest blowout of a seven point win that i've ever seen like this game was not remotely close it never felt like it was in danger from the time the titans scored their first touchdown and went up seven to three from that point on i felt like that game was over like <laughs> the texans couldn't do anything the uh you know this this whole malik willis thing it's just that it's out of hand, but it's okay. And, you know, here, here's, I think, the official stance of football and other F-words. Uh, Malik played. Doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> exactly. There, there's nothing to take from it. There, it's just he played football. He went out there. He played football. He turned and handed it off. And you know what? People are like, oh, the threat of Malik running with, with Derrick Henry. You, Teron Davenport on Twitter put out a dot thing of a play, you know, where all the dots move. And they handed it off to Derrick Henry and all 11 fucking Texans players. And I'm pretty sure some came from the sideline, just all swarmed Derrick Henry. If they, if Malik would have kept it, he would have had a touchdown. Like that's how much they cared about Derrick Henry did not give a shit about Malik Willis. Yeah. Now I will, I will say there was, there was a couple zone reads where they were able to run it with, with Henry 
And, you know, they did, you know, the in-state home and, and kind of helped a little bit. But it wasn't like they were, like, so terrified of Malik Willis running the football on them that it dramatically altered their ability to stop Henry. Like, it, that's that's a false narrative for sure. This was about Henry and the offensive line absolutely kicking ass uh, up front over and over and over again. Yeah, and, I mean – Go like go watch the uh the QB school and you're I know you're a big fan of uh, oh, yeah. JTO Sullivan. Um, go watch the QB school breakdown of Malik Willis's game and like it was I mean that's that's really all you need to see to understand like what his game was and and were there things they could have done to help him a little bit more probably yeah almost certainly um, but he like it was the same shit like it was the same shit the same problems it was you know he was late uh on on reads he you know wasn't wasn't quite ready to let the ball go he was hesitant to cut the ball loose and that caused all all of the problems that he had in that game from a uh passing standpoint were all created you know by him being hesitant and just not not seeing it and throwing it you know so and it's the same thing that we saw in preseason so i'm not surprised by it i wasn't expecting him to have totally figured out the offense and like how to you know, play quarterback at the NFL level within two months, you know, while running the scout team and, and backing up Tannehill and all that. But it's going to be a work in progress. This, this can take some time for him, and that's okay because they don't need him right now. Well, I also look at it this way. That's the one thing I did want to see differently was quicker decision-making. I didn't see it. Doesn't mean anything. Like, it literally, nothing you saw yesterday really means one thing one way or the other no the titans set him up for success because they kept the ball out of his hand because the times that he did throw he showed that he wasn't ready there's what five throws that we know were bad decisions and that involves a throwaway at the end of the second half where he could have ran it that involves the the robert woods flick of the wrist great play but he didn't have to do that play if he would have thrown it to robert woods earlier yeah because woods was wide open earlier in that someone round. with this arm strength should not be so hesitant. He should be unleashing it without hesitation. It makes me think, makes me think he's just so fucking afraid to make a mistake because of this coaching staff has put into him or something. I think he's just overthinking it. Maybe that's just a rookie thing. Maybe it's a raw quarterback thing and it has nothing to do with the coaches. I'm just saying he's obviously overthinking it. And you know what? Again, it doesn't fucking matter. It just, yeah. it just doesn't matter. I, I think that's my overarching opinion about Malik Willis's game. Malik Willis went out there. He took snaps. Titans won. There you go. There's my analysis of Malik Willis. That's because that doesn't matter. I mean, it's yeah. And there, I've seen, you know, there's all over the spectrum, of course, which are like, you know, Oh wow. Look at Malik. He did so much for the run game, all this stuff. And then there's also the people that are like, Oh, he's a bust. He's a bust. It's obvious. And it's like, it's his first NFL game. And like, I, I posted a few guys, like just random examples of guys who were terrible in their first NFL game, like Tannehill threw three picks, which is a, obviously an example close to home. Um, and, and, you know, probably most of the people that, uh, well, most of the people that, that want to call Malik, uh, you know, the savior are going to say, well, Tannehill is a, a bad example because he's terrible. But well, uh, Tannehill, you know, uh, if I have to hear, let me say something. Jared Stillman. When he finds one stat, he beats that stat into the ground all fucking week. And last week, it was he's averaging 184 yards per game through the air. Right, Daniel? Who gives a shit? Like, at this point, who gives a shit? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't matter because that's not the way the Titans... I, I think the, the biggest mistake that 
people make when they're evaluating the Titans is that they want to look at all these stats as if they mean anything. And as if they, the Titans give a fuck about them because the Titans don't give a fuck about them. They don't give a shit about any stats except for wins and losses. And that is how variable coaches the games. And people get frustrated because the Titans never blow anyone out. And I totally get that. Like it, because people will always say, well, good teams blow teams out. Well, I mean, most of the time. Yeah. But Vrabel does not give a fuck about blowing anyone out. He gets up by two scores and then he tries to choke the shit out of the clock. Like he's like, I'm going to get rid of this clock and we're going to try to nurse this thing over the finish line as fast as possible. And it came back to bite him against the giants earlier this year when he played the game like that, but it is worked for him. Most of the time, like their record in games where they get up by at least 10 points is really good. It's really good compared to other NFL teams. So that's not how they play. They don't play to blow teams out. They they are willing to get up and then grind you into dust with Derrick Henry in the second half and run the clock out on you. And they think they can win games that way. And they've been right. They've been right over and over and over again now for five years. So at this point, I think you've got to stop looking at like point differential because people keep saying, Oh, the Titans are a negative six point differential and they're five and two. What a fraudulent team. Well, they got blown out one time and the other games they've won. So, I, I mean, I, I don't think that shit matters nearly as much as what people try to make it out to matter. Um, at least not with this team. Like this team just doesn't care about that. They're not interested in it. Uh, here's how I know that, <laughs> that Mike Rabel doesn't care about the stats and analytics and all this stuff i don't know if you what did you watch the presser on monday i did yeah okay so, so they ended it they ended it. i don't know who asked but someone asked about eight men in the box or something like that he goes i don't know why you guys asked this fucking question it doesn't matter if the safety's 12 12 yards behind or eight yards behind eight men in the box we're gonna see it all the fucking time it doesn't matter and we don't care yeah. and they don't care and so you know what i just don't fucking care either at this point because, you know, we we talked about this. We did a trade episode uh, that everybody could have heard on Monday. And at this point, you know, I didn't bring it up on the trade episode, but I was making the case for Kareem Hunt. I'm just resigned to the fact that this team may never pass and it may be all right. I don't know. <laughs> but fuck it. If, if, it if, Derek, if running the ball 45 times gets you a win every time, and you don't turn the ball over, and you win, in, and you win with great defense. This may be the year that actually works now. I like, mean, that, is, that is the way the NFL is going mostly. Because at, at, at the beginning of the year, I'm like, okay, you're you're not going to win hardly anything, right? And so far, eight weeks, nothing's changed in my mind about the Super Bowl. This team is not winning the Super Bowl, but my mind has changed about a, a first round playoff game at home. The AFC is fucking terrible. The <laughs> NFL terrible. Yeah, the NFL as a whole is terrible. They're all bad. I could totally see the Titans getting some slub that came in on the seventh or sixth wild card spot, coming at home. They beat them. Everybody's happy, and then they go to the Bills or the Chiefs, and they get their asses handed to them, and then it's over. Like, I mean, I mean, that's the thing. And, and to me, like this formula works to some degree. Because it is Derrick Henry. They're going to run the ball with Derrick Henry, and they're going to play really good defense. And and the defense part wasn't there really like at the very beginning of the year. It's come around. It's come a long way, and now it, it really seems to be hitting its stride. Like this game, 
very nearly broke every franchise record for uh, defense, like as far as like total yards and everything like that. Uh, before that last garbage time touchdown that drive that the Texans miraculously put together. I mean, like I think they converted one or two fourth downs, I believe on that drive too, where if they stopped them on either of those, this is a franchise record. But anyways, the defense has come around and, and that's going to be like, you're not with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. You are not going to win a shootout against Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. You're not. You're not going to win a shootout. So what you have to do, the only way the Titans can win these games against these teams is to drag them into a fucking alley brawl. Like, that is all they can hope to do. You hope you catch them in bad weather. You hope you catch them in, like, a situation where, you know, it's super cold or something like that, you know, which I know it didn't matter for the Chiefs the, the last time that happened. but. Uh, you hope you catch them in a situation where you can drag them down into the gutters with you and make <laughs> make them fight you in a phone booth. Like that is what you have to do. You have to be able to just hold the ball, run it down their throats, and then turn around and and you know hit them hit them with you know this defense that is playing at a really high level now and, and hit you know control the line of scrimmage, make it to where they can't run, make it to where their quarterback is harassed constantly, force them into mistakes like. That's the way to beat these teams. And I know, you know, we'll get into a little bit more of a Titans Chiefs preview, but that is going to be the formula. That is the way you're going to have to beat the Chiefs. If well, you... they showed that's the formula last year, right? I mean, yeah. they showed that if they play great defense, play great special teams, and Run don't make mistakes, the they're going to fucking they're going to fucking yeah. win. They're like the Punisher. If they were a Marvel superhero, they'd be the Punisher because they have no superpowers. But they just go in and they'll fucking murder you, and, and they don't care how many times they get stabbed. They don't care how many times they get shot. They don't care what guns you have or what superpowers you have. They're gonna come in with a plan. They're gonna go with that plan, that strategy, and they're either gonna come out with broken ribs and broken faces, or and a few bullet holes and have to go lick their wounds, or you're fucking dead. Like that is that <laughs> is how the night play football. It's a perfect analogy. It really um, is. But it is. I mean, they are, they just want to kick your ass in yeah. the trenches over and over and over again. And that's, you know, that is their brand. That's their identity. And that's kind of, um, They'll I mean, grab anything they can. <laughs> yeah. I mean, beat you. it is, it is unique to this like era of football for sure, but it is the Titan. Like it is the way that they have won these big games in the past. And like, yes, I, I think they've got to find a way to have a little bit more, uh, teeth in the passing game at some point. Like they can't always just run Derrick Henry and Dontrell Hilliard for 314 yards. Um, but it, I think there's this team is turning into about the team that I kind of expected them to be uh, at this point because the defense is playing out of its mind. And, and I know the last two games have been against poorer offenses, but nobody has made the Texans offense look that bad this year. Um, and nobody had really make the Colts offense look that bad, uh, this year either, um, before the Titans did it. So to me, this is a defense that can carry them. And if they can get this group to the, the playoffs healthy could make lives miserable for whoever they play. Like, I, I think by the end of the season, I think Roger McCreary is going to be a plus corner. I, I mean, he's pretty close to the where that is now um kirsten fulton's playing really good football now um they've got all the pieces like they've got all the pieces to be an 
excellent defense. Um, and they're finally starting to put it together, I think. So it, this is a defense and running football team, and, and that's weird, and it's usually it's not normal in 2022, but here it is. And it's 5-2. and two. <laughs> It's the two seed. It's a fucking two seed. It <laughs> is wild. Right All right. We got a roster move because I also want to talk about uh, Derek Henry and the defense real quick. But we got a roster move. At the time of this record, record on Monday, Ugo Amadi's been released from the 53-man roster. They did not add anybody back. They also released some fucking loser named Stephen Parker from the practice squad. I didn't even know we had a Stephen Parker on the practice squad. <laughs> so Ugo Amadi was traded for a sixth-round pick, and they got Ugo Amadi and a seventh-round pick back from the Eagles. Let go. He's gone. See ya, Ugo. Um, obviously, this opens up a roster spot. Obviously, for someone coming off of IR, right? Maybe Elijah Molden's coming back. Maybe Racy McMath. Was Monty Rice officially ever brought back into onto the active roster, or was his 21-day window open? Who? Monty? Monty Rice. Monty's back. Monty's back. Oh, is he? Was he? Yeah. Is he playing games? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's is been he playing really? on special teams. Yeah, he's been oh. playing on special teams for like three weeks. No, I don't watch special teams. <laughs> I don't keep I'm up surprised. with who's fucking track, who's making tackles. And I'm shit. surprised you you missed him because he's been going ape shit when he uh, makes a tackle on special teams. Like he had this play. Uh, Was that not Dylan Cole? Well, no, well, Cole oh. did it too. But but oh. Monty Rice against uh, I think it's Washington made made some special teams tackle and like went like ro- sprinting down into the end zone and like going crazy and stuff. It's kind of funny to watch. <laughs> All right. Well, there you go. There you go. But Ugo Amadi's gone. Not a massive blow for this defense. But before we get to the defense, Derrick Henry. Oh, my God. Time to trade Derrick Henry, Mike? <laughs> I should have asked this on the fucking other show. Damn it. Anyway, no. Derrick Henry was awesome. He was amazing. I hope you, everybody woke up their kids to make sure that they watched a game that they fucking don't care about from their nap time. Oh, you never wake up, kids. and Never, ever. Uh-uh. What can be said about Derrick Henry other than he's back, but not back, right? I want to say something. He could have broke free. Old Derrick Henry, pre-engineered Derrick Henry would have had that touchdown the second run. But I feel like, and maybe I'm just going crazy. I feel like he's a more complete running back right now after the injury. Like he seems to be doing things a little bit better than what he was minus the explosiveness. I, yeah. I would say long-term explosiveness or something. Yeah, I mean, him getting caught from behind was a little bit surprising. But then again, like, I think that was a corner who tracked him down. And they were, uh, he had, he was, you know, kind of, he had just made a move. And I think he was still accelerating um, when they were able to get him. But either way, I think that was one of the few times I've seen him get loose like that and actually get tackled from behind. Um, but it's... uh I think he's playing as good as I've seen him play overall. Like, I mean, this is, he's from a, like hitting it up inside and like moving the pile standpoint, this is the best he's ever been Um, from a, you know, elusiveness uh, when he gets to the second and third level standpoint, he's up there with the the best seasons he's had. Um, His yards after contact numbers are insane. I think he's leading the NFL in yards after contact by over 100 yards, um, according to Pro Football Focus's charting. So, I mean, 
he's playing great. He's added the passing, uh, you know, pass catching a little bit to his his game somewhat, which I think is a little bit out of necessity for this offense. But either way, it's there. Um, he, he's been fantastic. And, and I do think there's a chance he's going to end up messing around and getting another 2,000-yard season here. Like, he's at, what, seven uh, – he's over 700 yards in seven games. So he's averaging, averaging over 100 per game. And he's going to continue to keep rolling. He's got another uh, Texans game uh, later in the season, which is another 200, obviously. Um, so he's going to have a chance if the, if he stays healthy and and you know everything st- keeps rolling like it is right now. Yeah. He's going to have a chance to go for 2,000 again, which is crazy, and and I think really starts to put him into the Hall of Fame conversation, which he should probably be in right now. Harry anyway. Sanders said he's in the Hall of Fame conversation. That's good enough for me, Mike. Yeah, let me say this. That's as, good a sport. that's as good a source as he can get there. Let me say this. He's c- going to crush the total touchdown record. He's going to crush the rushing, rushing touchdown record, and he's doing it in 29 less games than Earl Campbell, 29 less starts than Earl yeah. Campbell. Derrick Henry is the best running back that the Titans have ever seen. Oh, and that it includes Oilers. That includes 100%. Earl Campbell. Hands down. Yeah. He's going in the Hall of Fame. And we talked about this before. The Titans have some of the best. I think they have the best top four. And I think even if you go to five, running back team, like if you're starting like a basketball team, but only with running backs, for like the top five running backs of a franchise, that's them. You got Derrick Henry, Earl Campbell, Chris Johnson, Eddie George, and I'm going to throw Lindell White in there as the fifth man. And here's what I'll say. You'll never find another five in any other franchise better than that five right there as a collective unit. And I don't think there has been a better running back. I don't care about CMC and the fact that he could throw passes, which Derrick Henry does too, or that he can catch football, which Derrick Henry does too. Derrick Henry has been the best running back since probably LT Adrian Peterson era. Like the best, I think he is the best running back in the NFL right now. And it couldn't have happened on a better day than when Jonathan Taylor fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah, he fumbled again. He's uh yeah, he's struggling to stay healthy now. So yeah, Taylor, the whole Taylor is the best running back thing in the NFL. I mean, that that lasted just about as long as Liz Truss's uh term and in uh british parliament over there so um cut over here (laughs) but it's uh uh yeah it's amazing to watch him it's i think the fact that they restructured his contract and he's gonna be uh, pretty much without a doubt he's gonna be back next year at this point just because it would they wouldn't save as much money to cut him now um and you know it i just i can't imagine them trading him just because of the way he, what he means to the team for one, but then also like the way his value is kind of unique to the Titans. Like most teams don't want to play this way. Um, And so I I don't know that there's another team that would value him like the Titans do. So it'd make it hard for a trade to to work, but uh, he's probably going to be here next year. And and yeah, there's a real chance. I think he's going to get to 10,000 yards and break Eddie George's uh, franchise rushing record. as far as yardage goes, so I, he's probably going to end up holding all uh, of the Titans, the franchise running back records before it's all said and done. And and I, I hope 
you know, the, the stat about the 200 yard plus two touchdown games where he's got six and the next closest uh, all time has three. Um, it's just insane. Like the shit, and he's done it four times against the Texans. It's, it's just fucking insane the shit that he does and, and makes look normal. And it's kind of spoiled me to the fact that, like, I, I don't know, you watch other running backs and they're good but they just don't take over a game in the way that he can. And when he gets rolling like that, and like, as soon as he got started to get on track early, I was like, Oh, it's over for the Texans. Like he had like 40 yards in the first drive or two, I think. And I was like, Oh, they're about to steamroll their ass. Like He's a closer too. It's not that only does he get the game out of hand on a, like an attacking standpoint, but when it comes to ice and games, there's probably no running back better. Listen, He's so fucking good. And I don't know if you saw this, but I retweeted it. That Football Outsiders did a full-on written apology, apologizing <laughs> to Derrick Henry. It was awesome. Yes. And it was vindication. That's uh, great. For the for the uh Henry is is washed yeah. article they wrote in the offseason. Yeah, they they specifically mentioned that article and everything. I mean, they went full nine yards. Okay. Full on apology. It was awesome. And look, Derrick Henry's probably going to be here next year. Ryan Tannehill's probably going to be here next year. And that's okay at this point because, uh, like we said earlier, this team's the fucking Punisher. It's just going to use Derrick Henry as a fucking uh, howitzer and just fucking mow over some mafia people. I mean, that's just, just what they're going to fucking do. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's over. It's amazing to watch. And, and hey, welcome back, Nate Davis. Yes, Welcome back, for sure. Davis, you're a fucking stud, man. I, yeah. I love that guy, and he was back to just bulldozing folks in the middle of that offense. Made Speaking of bulldozing and mowing people over, <laughs> Jeffrey Simmons, and I said it today on, or I said it on Monday on the football show, and we'll see where, where, your, where your temperature's at on this. I think Jeffrey Simmons is the best defender the Tennessee Titans have ever seen and had. I think that Jeffrey Simmons is the best defensive player currently in the nfl mm. what do you think uh, about that i mean he's just he's just fucking good he is he's amazing now i'll say curse and hainsworth for short flashes were maybe better maybe but it's i mean it was you look it at probably the stats gonna sustain is yeah. what simmons has done and will do because i mean this he's ascending like if you look at the numbers he was awesome last year he had like eight and a half sacks or whatever and uh i tweeted out his pace stats um for this year where he's like headed this year and he's gonna blow away all of his numbers from last year if he keeps doing what he's doing right now which by the way um, blows Darrell casey's first four years blows away uh and blows away albert hainsworth first four years yeah, he's on a 13 and a half sack pace right now um, for the season, which is stupid for a defensive tackle. I mean, that that's a great season for an edge rusher. It's ridiculous for an, an inside guy. Um, he's he's on pace for 15 tackles for loss. He's on pace for 22 quarterback hits. Um, he's currently, I think, second in the NFL uh, in pressures for interior linemen behind. I think Quinnen Williams has one more than he does. Um, but I, he is playing an absolutely ridiculously strong level of football right now. And, and his run stops are up there too. I mean, he's tossing guards into running backs and he's just a 
physical marvel at how strong he is. Because playing on a damn busted ankle, he goes out there with zero days of practice and is just probably has one of his better games. I could not believe how good he was in that game. It's just as good as Vita Vey, right? It's yeah, almost. <laughs> He's getting there. Um, it's shocking how good he continues to be. It's it's just like I, I, it's a joy to watch him play, and like I, I just it's he's gonna get a huge amount of money i don't i don't think he's i would still probably give the slight nod to like aaron donald i think michael parsons and nick bosa would have something to say about like best defender in the nfl but like if you're making out a defensive player of the year ballot and you don't have simmons in your top five i think you're wrong i think he's been a top five defensive player to this point. I look at it this way. We said for a while now that Jeffrey Simmons' biggest issue, and it's a minor issue, has been his consistency week in, week out, affecting plays. Yeah. This season's not that. He's no. making plays against every team. He's he's there. He's available. Not only that, Danico Autry's awesome and Tierra Tart's awesome. These three right there, I'm not a big Pro Bowl guy, but here I am about to bring up the Pro Bowl. All three deserve Pro Bowl. Jeffrey Simmons deserves all pro. It is ridiculous that for defensive tackles, Tierra Tart and Jeffrey Simmons are in top seven for defensive linemen. Top seven in pass rush win rate. That's hard to say. It, it is, is really hard, hard to say. say. <laughs> <clears throat> I nailed it on a football show. But uh, Tierra Tart, an undrafted free agent who's practically has been free, is dominating. He is making plays every week. He's doing things that we haven't seen him do. This defense, Mike, we we, we said all along that we thought this defense was going to be top five, right? I mean, like we said, top five before Helen Landry got injured and before we saw Caleb Farley play. We thought that this was going to be a top five defense. And then Harold Landry got hurt. We're thinking, okay, well, it's still top 10. This is a top three defense. And there's just no That's way right. around it right now. They're just dominating the opposing team. The only person that can stop this defense is Caleb Farley. Like, as long as Caleb Farley stays off the field, I think we're fine. Like, no, nobody is going to be able to, to run the football on this team. Like, nobody. It, it is... Over, like, I know that the Giants did it in week one, and that is really all that is keeping their run defense numbers from looking incredible. But nobody's going to be able to run on this team. That They are too good up front. Jeffrey Simmons and Tier Tart are too fucking strong. Um, like, they just don't ever get pushed back. Like, never. And, and half the time, they're walking your guards back into your quarterback's lap or your running back's lap or whoever. So, that front is dominant, and especially when Bud Dupree's out there and healthy because he's really good at that part of the game as well. Um, and Autry is is a stud. But then, like, Zach Cunningham was flying around making plays. David Long flies around to make plays. They are really good at every spot on this defense as long as Caleb Farley is on the field, right? Like, as long as you've got – and, for, like, you know, I mean, whoever the the third corner is until until Elijah Molden gets back. When Molden gets back, I really want to see what this looks like because that has the potential to just be like all 11 dudes on the field are really good. Good luck. Like, you know, that's, that's kind of where this defense is. Um, 
and I, I'm excited to see what they turn into because they are they are putting on steam right now defensively. And I, you know, look, they're going to get a big time test this week in KC, obviously. But I, I don't. I think people writing off their chances of winning this game are doing a disservice to how good this defense can be when they put it all together. Um, and we we saw them do that to, to Patrick Mahomes last year. And hey, maybe maybe they'll have the revenge game or whatever. You know, it's possible, but. Um, they have a chance to win this game, and it's because their defense is just playing out of its mind right now. All right, Mike. Heat check. All right. We talked about how great this defense is. Not to mention Christian Fulton, who allowed one catch on seven targets for negative three yards. <laughs> and a pick. <laughs> and a pick. We talked about how great this defense is. We've talked about how great Derrick Henry is. We've talked about how great Mike Vrabel is. And I know that you're a company man. <laughs> How much have the Titans won you over since the beginning of the year? And how much have you bought back in? Uh, I think, I think I've bought back in from the standpoint of like that bills, that bills game. And this is also like, we still thought the giants were garbage, right? When, when the bills game happened. So with the loss to the Giants and then that that Bills blowout, I was like, man, this team is just not even close. Like, they're not even close. Um, I've come a long way since then. And it's not just like, I mean, they haven't beaten like a great team yet. I mean, I, I think the Raiders are, uh, you know, okay. Um, they were, I, I they think were it's terrible. being generous after well, yesterday. They were, they were terrible yesterday, but I, I, overall, I think they're okay. Um I think the Colts are actually like okay. They've got a they've got a legitimately good defense, um, and I think the Commanders are all right. You know, they're, they're not terrible, um, but they the way that this defense is playing makes me think that they can hang with almost anybody. I I, I still don't think they can quite hang with the Bills. I, I I don't think they're on that level. I think it would take the bills playing a really bad game by their standards and the Titans playing their absolute best for that to be a close competitive game possible that that could happen. Um, but any, you know, average game for both teams, bills are going to win that game pretty comfortably, I think. But that being said, I think almost anybody else in the league right now, they're right there with them. I mean, they're right there with them. And, and KC will be a really tough test to see like where they're really at. Um, when it comes to playing the elite teams, because right now I think there's three elite teams basically, and, and there's okay, everybody so else: Seahawks, Bills, Chiefs. <laughs> uh, Bill, Bills, Chiefs, and, and Eagles. I, I think the oh. Eagles are an elite. Team. I um, forgot about the Eagles, but uh, you know the Seahawks are good. But if, if the Seahawks and Titans played on neutral field right now, who would you take? I honestly, ooh, yeah. I love me some Geno Smith, but I, I think I would go with the. I think I would say Titans. I think the Titans defense would would give them a really hard time because I don't think they'd be able to run the ball and and you know I, I think that the Titans defense is is built to stop teams like that that are like pretty good offensively but not great. Um so yeah, I, I think the Titans are just as good as you know what 29 uh other teams in the NFL or 28 other teams in the NFL um if not better and, and it's going to be interesting to see how this like season takes shape over the next couple months. Cause that's the thing. And, and I wrote about this before the bye week right? That 
teams evolve over the course of a season. Who you are right now doesn't mean that's who you are always going to be. Um, and that's true both in for good and for bad. So, so the Titans, you know, could regress some. The Titans are Titans are probably going to lose some more games, right? Like they're not going to go uh, you know, fifteen and two. Um, but who they can be by the end of the season will be interesting because I I still think when Burks comes back, when Phillips comes back, they could have a better passing game. And I know Daly stinks, but. Nicholas Petit Frere starting to play better football on the other side. Like he's been really good the last two games coming out of the bye. Um, if you can start to maybe leave Petit Frere, trust him to to play on an island and and help daily on the other side and maybe swing some of your help to that left side. Um, maybe you can start wadding up enough pass rush to to be able to get some shots downfield to Burks and, and Phillips and these guys. I think the passing offense could look better by the end of the year, even if they don't make a big trade deadline addition. Um, but yeah, I also don't know, like are the bills, like are the injuries with the bills going to start to catch up to them? Cause they, I mean, they've lost both their safeties. Now they're um, you know, they, they've got a bunch of injuries that have kind of piled up on them here. Um, you know, at some point does that start to take a toll on like what looks like a buzzsaw right now? But again, like, you know, the Cardinals look like a buzzsaw at this point last year, right? So it's uh, it's just going to be interesting to see how the season plays out. But uh, yeah, as far as like winning back, winning me back over, they won me back over on the fact that like Mike Vrabel is one of the best coaches in the NFL, if not the the best, in my opinion, and and he is going to keep them competitive one way or another. Like that, they are going to be competitive. They're going going to win games. They're going to win the division again. Um, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. All right. So we were talking about this team. And I have to say, I said at the top of the show, that I do think that their chances of winning a playoff game are a lot better than what they were. Just because the competition around them just stinks. Uh, I agree with you. It's Chiefs-Bills. Just Chiefs game, I think, will show us a little bit about who's real and who's not. But at the end of the day, when you get into the playoffs, it's almost like, the Chiefs are a different animal. So mm-hmm. I don't know how much I'll really take away from this game, win or lose, unless they just get blown out like they got blown out by the Bills. If they got blown out like they got blown out by the Bills, then we know this team is just a – there's a clear second tier yeah, between the Bills and the Chiefs and the Titans, which I already think there is, but I think there's a clear, clear gap. Well, and that's how I feel right now. I, I do wonder, like – I think there's an any given Sunday like possibility that you know even if they do get blown out by the Chiefs that hey if they met again in the playoffs would it be exactly the same yeah maybe not um, but it, as far as like I I do think there's a they're a clear step down from the Chiefs I think you'd be crazy not to think that um, right now but does that mean that they're going to lose on Sunday not necessarily um, but at Arrowhead in uh, in a night game is going to be super tough for sure, especially if Tannehill isn't like all the way back with his ankle and everything. We'll see kind of how uh, he practices this week and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, it, it's, I think they'll probably lose the game, but I, it wouldn't surprise me if it's more competitive than I think the line's like 10 and a half or something, something like that, which seems yeah. kind of, uh, kind of insulting to the Titans, but you know, the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Yeah, they're just a high-scoring offense coming off a bye, and I think that's the yeah, that's that the thing. Other thing. So let's talk about this Chiefs game. 
we you're kind of thinking that's a little insulting to the Titans. I think it's probably just about right. I mean, I think the Titans have a chance to cover, but they still lose by 10. How does this defense, if the Titans were to spread them out or the Chiefs were to spread them out, how does this defense stop that? Because, I mean, you're talking about Anthony Mitchell. You're talking about probably having to play Lonnie Johnson. We don't know the status of Amani Hooker. It, it's it's a once you get past McCreek, are we going to have to see Farley out in that field? Like that's my concern. I mean, they've what they've been doing is you know Andrew Adams and a lot of this like big dime stuff where they'll have uh, Terrence Mitchell um, come in, they'll drop McCreek down into the slot, they'll they'll bring uh, Hooker down around the line of scrimmage, and then they'll have Adams and Byard back deep, which I'd imagine we'll see a lot of that look. Unless Molden's back, which this would be, I mean, I'm kind of halfway conflicted on that, that like if Molden can return this week, it would be good because he's a better player than, uh, you know, Andrew Adams or Terrence Mitchell. But I also wonder about him being rusty, coming trying to come back against the Chiefs uh, is not necessarily the greatest situation for him. But it'll be interesting. Like, I, you know, the Titans did such a good job last year. And what you have to do to Mahomes is like change the picture on him and make him hold the ball. And and look, he's really good at like making plays when he holds the ball and when he's able to, to kind of make those second reaction throws and stuff like that. But he, he knows that and he relies on that a little bit as a crutch. So when the Titans are able to make him hold the ball and get him out of that rhythm last year, that was how they were able to like get home to him. And that's how they were able to confuse him and force turnovers and do everything that they did to him in that game. So, I mean, they're going to try to do the same thing, whether or not that works, whether they have better answers this year. I don't know. I mean, the chiefs, they continue to not want to run the ball really. Right. So, I mean, the the Titans are going to be able to commit pretty much everything to the pass Cause I, I think they're going to be able to control the line of scrimmage with their defensive line. And the question will be, you know, can you confuse Mahomes into making a few mistakes um, and, and take the ball away? Because they, they're going to have to have turnovers to win this game. This is not a game that you win where it's like, you know, the turnover battle was even and, and you know, they just came out on top. I, they, you're going to have to win the turnover battle here. And, and Mahomes will throw, throw like dangerous passes. So it, it's – that's the formula to me is, is rotate your coverages, throw a bunch of shit at them, um, can constantly be running creepers and simulated pressures and, and kind of, you know, unique blitzes all the time at Mahomes and just make him think, make him be stressed constantly in this game and hope he makes a few mistakes. And to be honest, the, the Chiefs offensive line is not as nowhere near as good as what they were last year in terms of no. pass protection. They're actually probably a little bit better in run blocking than anything, even though they don't run, which yeah. is crazy. So that kind of plays into how the Titans need to attack. And obviously, it's just Derrick Henry all day long, right? Unless they trade for some wide receiver at, by the time we record this. Yeah, I mean, they, they just, you don't have anything else in the passing game um, to go to. Like, there's just not, like Robert Woods, is pretty good. He's okay. Um, but that's all you got uh, from a real weapon standpoint. Plus, you know, maybe some Chig, maybe some Hooper uh, mixed in there. But 
yeah, you're going to have to, you have to run the football well. And the Chiefs run defense has actually been pretty good this year. So they've got good linebackers. Um, Chris Jones is a major problem in the middle of that defense, obviously. Um, I think Frank Clark's actually going to be suspended, which is helpful uh, for the Titans in this game. But um, it's a it's a pretty good Chiefs defense, and they're going to have to find a way to run the football because you're not going to you're not going to drop back with a Gimby Tannehill and just shred them uh, with Cody Hollister and, and Nick Westbrook Aquina and all these guys. Final score, Mike, what do you think is going to happen? I'm going to say, I'm going to say 24 to 10 chiefs. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. If the Titans win this game by more than one score, you think the Titans are. I think they're AFC championship game contenders. Um, I'm not going to say Super Bowl contenders yet because I think the Bills are are still clearly better than them. But I'd say they that would put me into the thinking of, hey, they can they can play with a team and even an elite team on their best day. So um, it would it would change their ceiling to me a little bit. Well, that will do it for us. This has been football and other efforts. We do have a Monday uh, trade preview, so I hope you, hopefully, you listen to that because obviously we're not going to be able to talk about the trade because we record on Mondays. If there was was a trade, if there was a trade, maybe you'll hear from us again on Monday. Maybe in a Twitter space. I don't know. I'm not making any promises. We are brought to you by Jaspers. Go to Jaspers two for one on Sundays. Go watch the Chiefs Bills game that night. Have a few beers, have a nice dinner, take your significant other, take your family, and just have a big old spread. Just have some good old food, some good old beer, and some good old time. Jasper's on West End. For Mike Herndon, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike Herndon NFL. You can also watch him if you're a Broadway insider, so you need to head to broadwaysportsmedia.com, become Broadway insider today. You can watch him do the Mike Herndon Show. My name is Zach Lyons. You can watch me. Talk about football, the NF Titans and SEC, Mondays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. Central Standard Time on a football show. Follow 440 Sports, turn on those notifications for that. And of course, we're here every Wednesday. I'm Zach Lyons. He's Mike Kerndon. This has been Football and Other Efforts, and you have just been effed. Broadway Sports Media Production.